Well, good evening, everyone. And uh, I, I realize that if you're visiting, and, and that applies to lots of people, and as Marcus said, thank you so much uh, for coming. If you are a visitor, if you're here to see a family member or a friend being baptized, we really do hope you feel welcome. But can I just kind of set the scene? Two weeks ago, we introduced and started a new Sunday evening series called Keeping It Real, which is kind of looking at and based on and based in the book of James, the New Testament book of James. Now, usually at baptismal services, we kind of take a break from our regular teaching program, and, and I do something specific on baptism. But tonight, I'm actually going to stick with James. And so if you do have a Bible, could I invite you to turn to James chapter 1. Now, there are Red Pew Bibles if you're visiting and you'd like to follow along. It's page 1,213 in the Red Pew Bibles. And and we're going to pick up from where we left off last week, where Tim left off last week at verse 19. But as you look that up, let me show you something that I will pretty much guarantee that everyone who is in this building has used at least once today. Now, some people have used one of these more than once today. Some people should have used one of these more than once today. It is a mirror, for those who are wondering. It is a mirror, and I actually have got eight of them. Now, they're not those ones, budget wouldn't stretch to that. There are these little compact mirrors. And I've got eight of these to give to the eight people who are being baptized. And the reason I'm going to give them to them later on will hopefully become clear. Here at Windsor, we often stand for the public reading of God's word. So can I invite you to join me as we hear the word of God? And can I encourage you to listen well? Listen well. James 1, starting at verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Grab a seat. Every time God's word is read, God speaks. But the critical issue is, are we listening? James starts this little section, which is all about listening to God's word, by coming out with what sounds like and what actually is a brilliant piece of advice for anyone. He says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, so often we get the first two round the wrong way, don't we? 
We are quick to speak and slow to listen. But although this is kind of timeless wisdom for anyone, James is specifically writing to Christians to help them to live out their faith, to keep it real, especially to a group of Christians whose backs were against the wall, who were being tempted to kind of pack it all in. And so James is really keen to help Christians avoid unnecessary anger. Why? Because he knows the kind of mess that it creates, as we all do. But in addition to that, he also wants to encourage Christians to live lives that honor God. And for every Christian in this building, and I know that's a vast majority, for every Christian in this building, those remain such important issues and aims. Now for James, the way to do that is to listen well, to listen properly to God's word. But the question is, how do you do that? How do you listen properly to God's word? Simple. You hear it, you accept it, and you obey it. And for the eight being baptized tonight, this is my hope and prayer for each of you, that you will continue to hear God's word, accept God's word, and obey God's word as you have done Because that's why you're here tonight. That's why many of us are here tonight. So let me start with the hearing it. Be quick to listen, says James, which at the very least means that we need to be choosing to read God's word. It's really the only way we're going to hear it if we choose to read it, if we choose to read it with others in a context like this, if we choose to read it with others in small groups, but in addition, also if we choose to read it by ourselves, you eight that are being baptized tonight, can I encourage you to make sure that God's word is heard and read in your lives on a consistent and regular and daily basis. You gotta hear it. That's how you listen well. That's how you listen properly. You hear, you read, and it's a choice you make. But it's gotta go beyond that. You've got to secondly accept God's word. In verse 21, James refers to humbly accepting the word that's planted in you. In other words, you've not only got to just read this, you've got to receive it with an open heart. You've got to absorb it. You've got to let this word get onto your skin and transform you from the inside out. In fact, based on what James says in verses 19 to 21, if you want to have a better heart, if you want a more godly mind, If you want a less aggressive attitude, if you want a cleaner life, you've got to hear God's word and then you've got to accept it. Again, that's a choice. But there's more to this because it can't stop there. And really, this is the key thing that James wants to say. He says, it's a problem if you never listen to God's word, but it's also a problem if you only listen. And so in verse 22, he comes out with what is one of his classic and very direct statements. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
And so the third way to properly hear God's and listen to God's word is to obey it. You hear it, you accept it, you obey it. Otherwise, if you don't do this, do you know what you're doing? You're just fooling yourself and never mind everybody else. And then to ground this, because although he says that, to ground this, what he then does in order to drive it home, he grabs a snapshot from everyday life and he compares God's word to a mirror. And he gets his readers to think about the way they use or should use a mirror. Now, before we look at this specific item, any, anyone who has been about Windsor uh, for a few years will hopefully remember or recall some of the other things that we find in God's word that communicate the potential and the impact of God's word. I'm going to show you six images. Now, before I show you six images, I want anyone who can tell me what any one of these six might be, okay? So what you're thinking about is, what is God's word compared to in the Bible? So give me anybody at all. Light, brilliant. That's one out of six. Five more to go. A scalpel, brilliant. Two out of six. Four more to go. Bread, three out of six. Three more to go. Hammer, four out of six. Two more to go. Fire, five out of six. This is so encouraging. So encouraging. People actually listen. Five out of six. One more. A sword. Amen. (laughs) Yeah, here they are. Here's the six images that we have thought about before. But then James comes along and he adds a seventh. A mirror. And what do we do with one of these? Well, let me just before I look at that, look at each of these images. Where God, Jesus, Jesus says in Matthew 4, verse 4, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. God's word, according to scripture, is like bread. It's an essential ingredient for life, for spiritual life. It's your daily carbs. And without regular intake of God's word and without regular consumption of God's word, you will waste away spiritually. And so Jesus, quoting Deuteronomy, says, listen, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That second image then, scalpel, Hebrews 4. Listen to Hebrews 4, verse 12 in the message. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything with her doubt and defense, laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one is impervious to God's word. We can't get away from it no matter what. God's word is razor sharp. It's incisive. It's potentially lethal. It is healing. It can cut us right open. It exposes the real us. It reveals our hidden and deepest desires and motives. It can perform extensive surgery in our lives. Life-saving, life-preserving surgery. God's word is a scalpel. Third thing, God's word is a lamp. Familiar passage, Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word brings light. It illuminates, it provides direction and offers guidance. Fourth image, fire. Jeremiah 23, 29. Is not my word like fire declares the Lord. Fire, God's word creates heat. It purifies, it consumes, it burns. Next image, a hammer. Second part of that verse, is not my word like a hammer that breaks rock to pieces? God's word constructs. God's word repairs. God's word nails. God's word tears down and builds up. And the sixth image, a sword. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. God's word is a weapon for attack and for defense. 
all of these images are found in Scripture. And then James adds a seventh, a mirror. And he tells us this is how you should approach the Bible. You should approach it the way you do. Remember, we look into one of these to check our physical reflection. And so we've all done this today. We've looked at one and we've seen what needs sorted, combed, straightened, removed, squeezed, tidied up, covered, changed. And then what do you do? You attend to it. We observe our physical state by looking at one of these and then we put it right or as right as we can. And God's word is meant to act like that in exactly the same way, only at an internal spiritual level. You see, what truly matters when it comes to one of these is not so much the look that you take, but the action you take as a result of the look. What truly matters when it comes to one of these is not so much the look you take, but the action you take as a result of the look. And so James makes the point that if all we do is listen to God's word, and if we don't do what it says, if we don't obey it, then we're just like someone who looks into a mirror and then walks away and forgets what they look like. So James says, listen, God's word reflects. God's word reveals what's out of place in our lives. God's word tells us what needs attention, what needs fix. And then he says, listen, don't then walk away from it. Don't forget what it has said to you. Take it on board. Hear it. Absorb it. Accept it. But then obey it. And tonight, Joe and Emma and Molly and Sarah and Rachel and Daniel and Charlotte and David. And uh, who have I left out? I think that's everybody. Molly. It is my hope and prayer that, that you're laughing at me for doing something. It is my hope and prayer that all eight of you will continue to be those kind of people. The kind of people who hear God's word, who accept God's word, but don't stop there. Obey God's word. Do what it says. And before I give each of you a mirror, as a reminder. Let me look at the very last verse we read. Because here's the motivation for doing this. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law, into God's word, that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. You see, if you live like this, the eight of you, if you live like this, you'll discover two things. You'll discover freedom and blessing. Do you know, some people think, that living according to God's word is restrictive. So confining. And yet nothing could be further from the truth because true freedom is found in the environment in which we were designed to flourish. And what is that environment? That environment is obedience to God's word. Real freedom is not the absence of any and every restraint. Rather, it's the presence of the right kind of restraint. And God has created every single one of us and therefore he knows what's best for us. And so follow his ways. And if you do follow his ways, if you do make that choice to not only hear his word, not only listen to it, but accept it, to absorb it, and then to obey it, 
you will experience real life and true freedom. And secondly, those who live like this, according to James, you'll be blessed in what you do. You will know God's blessing. Now and forevermore. And that is my prayer for you. So Joe and Emma and Molly and Sarah, Rachel, Daniel, Charlotte, David, in a moment I'm going to give you a mirror. And every time you see it, carry it with you. Stick it into your Bible. It got a wee small one so you could do that. Every time you see that mirror, think to yourself, am I hearing God's word? Am I accepting God's word? Am I obeying God's word? Just like you are doing tonight. Because when you do, you discover freedom.